0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're talking about Mark chapter 4, a parable that Jesus uh, taught to the multitudes and to the disciples. And last week we kind of settled on one aspect of this entire incident that's recorded for us in the Gospels. And I'm going to do what Jesus did. This is how I taught it last week. I'm going to teach it exactly the way he did. I'm going to have to move along very quickly with the first part of this because I want to get to part two so that when we leave the service today, that you will have all the tools that Jesus promised his disciples 2,000 years ago when he taught this parable. I'm going to need you to listen. I'm going to need you to stay focused. You promise me you'll do that? Okay. Mark chapter one, excuse me, Mark chapter four, verse one. And again, he, Jesus began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So get this picture. Jesus is in a boat, He's maybe 100, 200 feet offshore, and there's a multitude. Now, when the Bible refers to multitude, it could be hundreds, it could be thousands, but it's more than just a few dozen people, okay? Verse 3, he begins to teach, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. This is a person who's sowing seed, who's not, not a sower, Not we're not talking about a tailor, we're talking about a sower, a person who would go over the ground and and scatters seed to produce a harvest, okay? So he said, the sower went out to sow. And it happened, as he sowed, some of the seed fell by the wayside. In other words, that, that area along the side of a road or the side of a path. And it says, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, no, it was thirty times, some sixty, and some a hundred. Verse 9, he interrupts his teaching. And he makes a statement to the multitude. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, if you really care about what I have to say, if you're serious about your relationship with me, then wake up and listen. And then he stops. And again, I went into this much more in depth last week. I cannot afford to do that today uh, and finish the message. In verse 10, we pick up. Now, we don't know how much time passed between verse 9 and verse 10. But something happened the majority of the multitude turned around and walked away. Jesus is standing there. It's almost as if he's waiting for the majority of the multitude to walk away. In verse 10, but when he was alone, remember we started out with a multitude, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to who? To the ones that remained not to the ones who left, right? To the ones who remained, he said, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So, so there's a mystery. The kingdom of God is a mystery. I want to bring, bring to your remembrance, so maybe you might remember, whether it was decades ago or whether it was just months ago or years ago, how when you tried to read the Bible before you were born again, before you received Christ and the Holy Spirit came to live inside you, what a chore that was. You open up the Bible and you're looking at reading it, you're trying to read it like as if you're reading Gone with the Wind, and you're like, this makes no sense whatsoever. Because to those who are outside, he said, it's a mystery. Those who walked away, left without the knowledge of the mystery of the kingdom of God. He said, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn, their sins be forgiven them. What does that mean, pastor? Here's what he's saying today. If you would only press in, if you would only be hungry, if you would be thirsty, then you would receive. Because the mystery of the kingdom of God, the deep secrets of God, the richness and the depth of the word of God is not available to the casual observer it is available and it manifests and it is revealed to those that are thirsty to those that are hungry to those that are desperate in other words the ones that stayed behind got the revelation the ones who were content to say they went to church felt good they did my favorite song they had my favorite cookies in the lobby it's been a good day, but they left without the mystery of the kingdom of God because the mystery of the kingdom is revealed to the ones that are desperate. Did you ever notice this, that when you're in a crisis, all of a sudden revelation comes like this because you're hungry. You're making all kinds of deals with God. God, if you pull me through this, God, if, it, if the doctor's report turns around, God, if, my, if I get a better job, God, if you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're desperate, why? You know. It's a life and death situation. Now, we shouldn't have to live in crisis every single day of our lives, but we can stir up our hunger. Amen? So, what was he saying to them? He said, you only get this when you're desperate. You only get this when you're hungry. You only get this when you are thirsty. You don't receive this by natural understanding. You receive it by desire. The ones who stayed behind were not gonna leave until they got the rest of the story. The other ones were content. He threw it out to them raw, just here, just raw. Here it is, from verse 3 to 8. He describes four different types of soil. And they were, oh, okay. Wow, time's gone by. Oh, everybody else is going home? Okay, come on, let's go. But to those who stayed behind with him and the 12, They left that day equipped. Let's go on. Now, what's Jesus doing here? Jesus is operating, again, this is part of last week's message. Jesus is operating in a pattern that you see in the Old Testament. It's like, how bad do you want it? Jeremiah 29.13 says, now everybody's familiar with Jeremiah 29.11. We all love that one. But Jeremiah 29.13 says this, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? Come on, guys, with what? All of our heart. heart. Those are the ones that stayed behind. They weren't in a hurry to leave. They placed value on what Jesus was saying. They placed value on the word of God. Those who expressed no desire to go deeper, he let them leave. That's the scary thing about this story. We have this this picture in our head that's come to us through just religious tradition, especially recently, that, that Jesus is this, like he's so it's like lonely, nervous guy. He's just running after everybody. Just please be with me. Please, please receive me. Please let me be your Lord. Let me be your Savior. And the, and the Bible teaches the exact opposite. The Bible teaches that we're supposed to be chasing after him. It's Change and transformation, transformation only comes to those who desperately want it. Every one of us have someone in our life. It may be you here today. That we say we want change. We say we want, I just want, I want my life to be different. I I don't want this addiction to be controlling my life. I I don't want these wounds to be controlling my life. I just don't want these habits that maybe I picked up from generations ago. I just, you know, pastor, I just want to change. Well, change. How desperate do you want it? Transformation doesn't come to people who are casual. Transformation comes to people like, I want this. (laughs) And whatever I got to do to change, whatever I got to change in my life, I'm going to do it. You know, two and two is always going to be four. I don't care how you flip it around. Two and two is always going to come out four. If you don't want four, you got to change the equation. Jesus was given the opportunity. He throws it out to them raw. And I can just picture him doing this. I don't know what it is. I just have this picture in my head. Jesus, Not, not, not out of harshness, but Jesus threw it out raw and then went like this. Let's see who wants this. Let's see who's hungry. Look, even like I mentioned before, it's the second week of August. This is the prime vacation week. This room, according to most people's mindsets, is supposed to be half empty. But you guys are hungry. You guys are thirsty. You guys are desperate for the word. And man, that is the best condition for a pastor to teach in. Because when you got people that are hungry, the Holy Spirit just keeps pouring out and pouring out. Now watch this. If that multitude had stayed, Jesus would have went. And man, he would have just started pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. So let's go back to the Sea of Galilee, okay? We're back there on the beach, And now Jesus makes an earth-shaking statement to the ones who remained, the ones who stayed behind. Verse 13, he says to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? In other words, this is the key that unlocks everything else. If you don't understand these principles here, you're probably going to remain ignorant to the mystery of the kingdom of God. What is the main thing he's talking about in this parable? Seed. Seed. And everything in the kingdom of God comes to us in a seed. Think about this. At some point in your life, for, for me, it happened over 40 years ago. For some of you, it may have happened months ago. Somebody was sent by God to deposit a seed in your heart. Now, for the most part, like if you were like me, okay? I'm a senior in high school, and these two individuals come up to me who were labeled the Jesus freaks in school, okay? Now, I had never heard the term born again. I was a good Catholic boy, raised in Catholic school. Had never heard that term, and all of a sudden, these two, one of them was, I had to be nice because he's a big, like, captain of the football team type guy. I don't want to get him mad because I'm a little guy. He's a big guy, and they start telling me about this Jesus, and I did what everybody else usually does—the first time somebody comes with that seed, I went, it's, "I'm happy for you, but you're a freak. Get away from me." Okay. And then, and then a couple of years later, somebody else came and more seed. And then, and then after I got married in the early twenties, and somebody else came with some more seed. And then, so, so now watch this. Now, by the time I'm 27 years old now, I'm—I want. The, I'm not rejecting the seed. Anymore. I want it now. I want it now. Why? Because by the time I'm 27 years old, I'm ready to take my life. I don't want to live anymore. I am miserable. I know there's got to be more to this life. There's got to be some purpose to step into. That's why Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any. Why? Because everything in the kingdom of God operates in seed, Time and harvest. A seed gets planted. There is a time where it starts, to be, uh, it starts to burst forth out of its shell, and it starts to put out a sprout, and then it starts to grow from there. And he's saying, if you don't understand this, that this is how the kingdom operates, you're not going to make it. You won't understand anything. So let's go. Let's go into the, now he gives the explanation. Chapter 4, uh, chapter four verse 14. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside when the word is sown. So we know that the seed now is the word of God. When the word is sown, when they hear, when they hear, so they hear it, but there's only one problem. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So if the two major components of this parable is seed and soil, and we know that the seed now is the word of God, then what can we say, what can we all agree that the soil represents? Our hearts. Okay, you got, you got this? So immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. It never got into the soil. Verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. I'm so happy, I'm going to heaven. And they have no root in themselves. So they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble, they fall. They fall. Now, these, verse 18, are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this word, this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some a hundredfold. Remember church. The multitude got it raw. The ones who stayed behind got it revealed. The multitude went to the beach. Those that came to church on the second weekend of August <laughs> got it revealed. There is a benefit to digging deeper into the word of God. Remember this, only the hungry get fed, only the thirsty get satisfied, only the desperate see change. Jesus, as it's recorded for us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Because they were hungry. Because they remained behind and they asked, they received the knowledge of the kingdom. And Jesus had said to him, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand any of them. So he goes on to explain. The sower sows the word. We've got to understand how that happens. It's, the word is scattered on our hearts. It's, it's, it's thrown at us. It's constantly coming towards us. It's, we're constantly exposed to it. But if the soil is not the proper condition, it's not going to bear the fruit that it was meant to. Peter, I believe, understood this mystery of the kingdom, that the seed is the word of God. He writes later on, in first, we call 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. I'm going to read to you from the Passion Translation. For through the eternal living word of God, you have been born again. And this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside you forever. See, the seed is eternal. The seed eternal cannot be destroyed. The word of God cannot be destroyed. And you and I, notice this, the seed is the same throughout the parable. There's not a different type of seed for each type of soil. The only thing that has any change to it, or the only thing that has any variable to it is the soil. He talks about the soil that's very hard. He talks about the soil that's, that's, that's full of stones and rocks. He talks about another soil that is producing, but it's not, alongside with producing the fruit of righteousness says there's also thorns and weeds, and they're choking it out. Then he goes on to describe that good ground. The wayside, that hard-packed soil on the side of the road or path. This soil is symbolic. Listen to me closely. This soil that we're talking about, the very first category of soil, can be one of two types of individuals. In my case, the first time that seed was attempting to penetrate my heart, I was hardened. I was wayside. Why? Like, I was full of pride, full of arrogance. I don't need that stuff. That's for weak people. And so the, the seed just bounced off. Or it could be the person who unintentionally has just been so beat up in life trampled upon, usually just somebody who's had a really terrible childhood, and by the time they're in their late teens, they already carry the bitterness of an older person. The word can't get in until there's some forgiveness, until there's some humility in the case of the proud person and some forgiveness in the case of the person who's been trampled on and been just walked all over in life, but it can't change. When the word comes, if there's no forgiveness and if there's no humility, it sits on the surface and the enemy makes sure that it comes with some lie to get you to reject that seed. But it can't change. The next category of ground as we get from the, from the road, from the path into the field more is what Jesus referred to as stony ground. It can produce, but it's full of rocks. There's little pockets of soil in between the stones where the seed falls in, it springs up quickly, but it has no roots. The roots never reach down into the heart. These are impulsive believers. They get excited at the thought of going to heaven, get excited about, well, oh, now I'm going to have such a great life here on this earth, never going to have any struggles again. Oh, buddy. They don't see any sacrifice as necessary and their growth, they also don't understand that sometimes you may have to lose some friends in order to follow Jesus. None of us want to face that, but it's inevitable, and every one of us has lost relationships in our pursuit of Jesus. So Jesus said, when persecution and rejection and peer pressure rise up, they abandon their spiritual growth And they produce no fruit within themselves. In other words, they affect no one else. Yet there's change. It can change. Stony ground doesn't have to stay stony ground. Amen? The next category is thorny ground. It's Full of weeds, full of sticker bushes. Weeds stunt growth. And sticker bushes prevent the harvest. And I'll explain that to you in a moment. And Jesus said about this group, and the cares of the world, in other words, the pressures of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, entering in, choke the word. Now, just think about this. Entering in, in other words, when the seed was received, there were wrong perceptions received along with it. And of course, nobody in here would ever think this way. But this is the individual who goes, yeah, I, I, I'd like this life, you know. I, I know so-and-so is one of them born against. And, you know, once they got and started going to church and stuff, it's like everything turned around for them. So, yeah, yeah I think I want to say the prayer. I think I want to study the Bible. So, yeah, I want to learn about faith because, you know, if I learn about faith, now I can get that extra car. If I learn about faith, I can get the big house. If I learn about faith, I can go on like five vacations a year and they learn about faith and faith works for you but that came in with the seed and so alongside that plant that's coming up that is going to is supposed to produce fruit right alongside it is coming weeds coming thorns and eventually if that person doesn't realize, whoa, what am I doing here? This is the wrong idea. This is the wrong perspective. I'm supposed to be using my faith to reach people. I'm supposed to be using my faith to get involved with programs and things all around the world that are reaching continents and reaching uh, other cultures and rescuing refugees and feeding the poor and clothing the naked and making sure that this people group has a Bible in their language and If that person recognizes and wakes up and realizes and goes, oh, what am I doing here? They start yanking out the weeds and pulling up the sticker bushes. can change. What happens is they mix worldly ideas with godly principles, therefore like weeds, the word gets choked out. Mixed, mixed, think about that, mixed. There's a seed and a wrong idea going at the same time. James chapter 4, verse 4, this is going to be harsh, but it's not me. Don't blame me. I'm just a messenger boy. I didn't write this. I'm just reading it. James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterers, this is written to the church. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. You can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in church. You can't live that way. You're either going to be serving the God of the kingdom or you're going to be serving the God of this world. I know this is a real popular message. I know you really want to shout. Think about this. I don't know if you realize this. Thought about in the first service today. When the Israelites left Egypt, it wasn't just Israelites that left Egypt. There's a little phrase there in the book of Exodus. Go look for it. It talks about how they all went out, the Israelites went out, and and with them went the mixed multitude. There were others that weren't Israelites. That just, you're going where? You're leaving here? I'm going with you. Why? I'm tired of this guy whipping my back. I'm tired of having to build their pyramids. I'm tired of being mistreated like this. I'm I'm tired of being a slave. So I'm coming with you. Now, watch this now. God said to Moses, Moses... Go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me. But see, the mixed multitude wasn't concerned about worshiping God. All they were concerned about is I need to get out of Egypt. I can't do this anymore. And so sometimes, sometimes, you know, nobody in here, sometimes people say, yeah, I need a new life. I want a new beginning. I want a fresh start because, you know, my life has been terrible and I don't want to go to hell. So, yeah, I'll say the prayer. I'll come to church, but did you come out of Egypt to worship God, or did you come out of Egypt just to get out under the taskmaster? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. See, this is probably the most dangerous ground, the most dangerous condition of the soil, because this person has enough of the knowledge of the word of God, to appear as a believer. But there's still so much stuff in there from the world that they're constantly fighting that pull. The Holy Spirit's pulling one way, the spirit of the world is pulling another way, and they become conflicted, and when they become conflicted, they're miserable, and when they're miserable, nobody wants their fruit. Why? Because along with this has grown up thorns and thistles, let me put it to you this way. Maybe you can make this picture in your head. Let's say you had a, a, a row of, that you planted in your garden, this row of strawberry plants. And man, uh, you know how strawberry plants just, man, they just run rampant. But man, these strawberries, are, they look beautiful. They look gorgeous, man. They're just perfect. And, 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 and you, you want to enjoy these strawberries, but you realize something when you go out there, along with the strawberry plants, has also come up this whole bunch of sticker bushes that have just completely encircled this. And so in order for you to take part of that fruit, you're going to have to stick your hand through these sticker bushes. So what do you do? Man, they look good, but they don't look that good. And I'm not going to stick my hand to get... So what happens here? Now, now, now mind you, I, this didn't hit me until last night. Saturday night service, it hit me. The fruit that you and I bear is not for us. When did you ever see a plant eat its own fruit? When did you ever see a strawberry plant eat its own strawberry? When did you ever see an orange tree eat its own orange? There there is no cannibalism in the plant kingdom. The fruit exists for you. The fruit exists for the person. In other words, the fruit in my life is there for you to partake of. The fruit in your life is supposed to be for me to partake of. The fruit that we bear in our lives is supposed to be for people outside that have never experienced the love of God, the unconditional forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've never experienced mercy. They've never experienced grace. They don't know what it's like not to live with condemnation on their lives. And, and so the fruit that you bear, which is that fruit of righteousness, is supposed to be there for people to take. But if you've allowed the thorns to come in all around you, how are they going to get to it? So it remains unharvested. It rots on the vine and does no good for anybody. This is important stuff. This is why Jesus, again, I want to repeat, this is why Jesus said, if you don't get this one, you're not going to understand anything about how the kingdom operates. And then finally, he talks about good ground. And the interesting thing about good ground is this. Good ground is more about what it does not contain than what it does contain. See, the other ground is all known for what it contains. stony ground, full of rocks. Thorny ground, full of weeds, full of thorns, full of thistles. Things that are going to choke. Good ground is about what's not in the soil. What is not opposing the word. What is not an obstacle to your growth. And those are things that we can attain. Amen? Good ground is developed. I want you to hear this. Good ground is developed by what you remove from the soil. Good ground is developed by what you uproot. Good ground, it's the soil of your heart. You can can be the worst, most ranked sinner in the world. But if you will allow the Holy Spirit to start shining the light, if you allow the Holy Spirit to start start showing you, there's rocks there, there's, there's stones there, there's weeds, there's roots there. You thought you plucked it up, but you only got the top. The root is still in the ground. Get that root out, otherwise... That season's going to come back. Another cycle's going to come back. Get that root out. Get those thorns out. Man, I believe with all my heart that most of the instruction that we receive in the New Testament, the letters that are written to the church are all about what you're going to pluck out of that soil so that you can become good ground. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Here it is, verse 5. Let's start cleaning up the soil. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, rip it out, uncleanness, rip it out, passion, evil desire, covetousness, the desire that desire, you've got to have things, rip it out. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you once yourselves walked in when you lived in them. Verse 8, you're going to continue cleaning up. But now you yourselves are to put off. Who's going to do it? We are. We are. But you yourselves put off all these things anger, rip it out. Wrath, rip it out. Malice, pluck it up. Blasphemy, filthy language, get it out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Skip down to verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Now, now let's see, good ground now, good ground. What are we going to put in? Because it's fertilized by the fruit of the Spirit. It's fertilized by our obedience to to God, to the voice of God. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness. Why? Because those things are going to stop you from becoming stony ground, from becoming hard ground. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. So he says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. You know, when you get to that point, where you just don't want to be bothered with anybody anymore. Trust me, ask me how I know, okay? (laughs) You start to become hard. You You know what the worst thing about becoming hard is? You might have a series of... How can I be nice about this? Let's see. Let's just put it this way. Can I just be real? Let's say you have a series of a bunch of jerks that come in your life. Just users. Just abusers. Just don't really care about you, just want what you have. And you've got like a series, and you you realize, man, you think it back, it's like, man, this one did it to me. That one did it to me. This one treated me like dirt, and this one trampled all over me. What happens? You start getting hard-hearted. You know what the worst part of that is? The worst part of that is that when the genuine comes along that really needs your help, you go, no, not me, I'm done, I'm sorry. And that could be the one that God really sent into your life for you to do what? To deposit some fruit, to just make them, just let them enjoy the fruit of mercy that you've experienced, to get them to enjoy the fruit of grace that you've experienced, to get them to enjoy the fruit of forgiveness that you've experienced and you had a genuine one that came along, but because your heart got hard, you missed an opportunity. Now God's got to find somebody else to minister to that person. That's the worst part. Jesus was teaching that this is the bottom line. He said, my word operates like seed. If it's received, it will produce. You know, archaeologists, especially in the last century, have found wheat seeds, they have found cotton seeds, Some of them in burial chambers that they excavated. Those seeds, in some cases, were anywhere from 2,000 to 4,000 years old. Yet when they planted them in fertile ground, guess what happened? They grew. Because it didn't matter how old the seed was, what the spirit of life was still in them. Even though they lay dormant for all those years. So listen, most of us have seeds that have been deposited in our heart that have lain dormant. In some cases, it could be decades. Seed of the word that God wanted to get in you, and they just laid on the surface there, or they just barely made it into the ground. They're going to produce if you'll let them. Isaiah fifty-five eleven. listen to this. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's a promise from God. The Holy Spirit is the one that's responsible for introducing the word. Remember when Jesus first introduced the Holy Spirit, he introduced him as what? The teacher. So the Holy, the Holy Spirit is the, is the sower. The Holy Spirit introduces us to the word. And it's his responsibility to do that. But guess what? It is our responsibility to keep the condition of our soil fertile and productive so that the word will always produce fruit in our lives and that fruit would be available to those that are around us. Are you getting this today, church? Now listen to me. Let's go full circle with this. Jesus said, if you don't understand this one, you won't understand any. In other words, this is basic fundamental stuff here, guys. Think about this. What's the very first command that God ever gave to man? Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. God took the man, set him down in the Garden of Eden, to what? To work the ground and to keep it in order. Wow, it's always been about soil. It's always been about maintaining. It's always been about making sure that you're good ground. It's always been about it's my responsibility to put the seed in you, God says. It's your responsibility to make sure that the soil is in good condition. We can change. If you're, if you're wayside ground today, if your heart you came in today and your heart is hard. It can change. If you realize today that, man, I started out good, but, man, stones have gotten in there. It can change. It can change. I see pictures of these farms in New England. And New England is known for, known for one thing that the rest of the country, we really don't see too much. In New England, you can travel for miles and see these beautiful stone walls that are built. Anybody been up there and seen what I'm talking about? Beautiful walls made out of stone, all intricately put together. Well, guess where those stones came from? Out of the fields. They cleared the field of stone so they can go from stony ground to good precious ground so they can grow the corn, so they can grow the wheat, so they can grow whatever plants. And almost like a memorial to the fact that this was once stony ground, now it's good ground, are these beautiful stone walls that surround these farms. Guess what? That's what we need to do. We need to pluck those things out and say, yeah, it was stony. I was stony ground at one time. But you know what? I'm good ground now. I plucked up that unforgiveness. I plucked out that malice of heart. I plucked out that disbelief. I plucked out. And you can say, well, you know, it was one time I was full of thorns and full of weeds. Had all kinds of crazy ideas. You ever meet a Christian that has crazy ideas? Yeah, don't, don't, don't shift. Don't, don't dart your eyes. Don't go... But you know, I started to pull that stuff out. So now the, the word of God is now effective in my life. I'm telling you today. If you desire, the Holy Spirit will grace you to be able to recognize, get those stones out, get those weeds out. Start allowing your good ground to be fertilized with love, peace, goodness, and kindness. So that when the seed of the word comes in, bam. There's no obstacles. It bears much fruit. And you watch how people start coming around you. What is it with your life? Why are you different? I know you've got something that I don't have. My life is miserable. Can you help me? Yeah. Here, have some fruit. Have some grace. Have some forgiveness. Have some mercy. We have the satisfaction to know that God used our lives to touch somebody else the way somebody touched our lives. Would you stand up, please? Very quickly, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then I'm going to invite Pastor Mike to come up and close out the service. I pray that what we're about to to say and declare that you will say it with all of your heart. Because today is going to determine whether you go and become good ground or whether you stay in the whatever condition you're in, I pray that you make the choice to trust God. Let's say this together. Father, Father I, present to I present myself to you. No matter what condition, no matter what condition my soil, soil is, is, I present myself to you I myself because I know that you and you alone, Father, have the capability, have the capability of, helping of helping me to go from hard ground To good ground. ground. Holy Spirit, Spirit, I give you permission. permission. Show me where the rocks are. Show me where the the stones are. Show Show me the type of weeds and thorns that I'm dealing with. Help me. Grace me. Empower me. Strengthen Strengthen me. me. To pull those things up. To pluck them out. out. So they don't no longer longer choke out the word. I trust you, God, to do a work in me today. Starting this day, I declare that I am, by the grace of God, becoming good ground. The word of God is going to be mighty and effectual in my life. I am a fruit bearer. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in me. Amen. 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 God bless you. Be seated. Pastor Mike's coming up. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.